I got this uh, email uh, from a friend of mine. It was very interesting. It was actually a video, um, short video, maybe about two minutes long. And it was uh, kind of began with dark. It was just kind of a black screen. And then you see this, I think it was like a painting, I think, uh, of uh, a guy and a girl on a motorcycle. Um, he's driving, and she's right behind them, kind of has her arms around his waist, kind of holding on. And then, uh, and then there's this very kind of compelling music, background music that starts to, to play. And, and then you just get the rest of it is these, these words, which I'll now read to you. Um, this story, really. And it begins with uh, a true story, it says. And then this. A guy and his girl were on a motorcycle, speeding. Speeding through the night. They loved each other. And then there's this exchange between the two on, while they're on the bike. She begins and she says to him, hey, slow down. This is getting scary. You're going too fast. He says, don't worry. I won't let anything happen to you. Please, she says, slow down. This is dangerous. Then he says to her, tell me you love me. Fine, she says, I love you. Can you please slow down? And then he says to her, give me a big hug. And she does. I mean, she's already kind of hugging him, sort of just being on the bike, but she kind of hugs him even tighter. And then she says, now will you please slow down? Then he says to her, can you take off my helmet? And you put it on. It's uncomfortable for me and it's bothering me while I drive. So she does. She takes it off him and puts it on herself. And then you get this. It says, the next day, there's a story in the paper. A motorcycle had crashed into a building because the brakes had failed. There were two people on the bike. One died and the other survived. He knew that the brakes were failing and he knew she'd panic if he told her. So instead, he got her to tell him that she loved him one last time. And he got one last hug from her. And he gave her his helmet. And she survived. He gave her his helmet. I'm not sure why she wasn't wearing her own helmet. I don't know about that, but she wasn't. But he gives her his, and he loses his life. He sacrifices his life. Presumably, he knew what was happening. Look at this. This is a, a one definition of what sacrifice is and what it means. And I think it's pretty good. It's the surrender of something you value for the sake of something you value more. 
So it's the surrender of something you value for the sake of something else that you just value even more. So you give up something for something bigger. So the guy on the bike, he surrenders something that he values, like his life, for the sake of something he values more, her life, their love. Now look at this first reading again, this really unusual Old Testament first reading. Abraham, God. And God essentially says this to Abraham. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him for me. (laughs) Sacrifice him. Like, we know what that means, right? Like, take his life. Because I'm asking you to. In other words, Abraham, surrender Isaac, your son, because I'm asking you to. Because you love me more. You know, that's usually, I think, where we kind of go off the rails with this reading. It just gets it's crazy. I think most of us are like, wait a minute. If that's God, I don't want to know him. Like, if God would pull something, actually do something like is described here, I'm not so sure I either believe in that God or I want anything to do with that God. We get sidelined, I think, by the idea of God actually saying, sacrifice your kid because I'm telling you to. Like, we're repelled by that, and I think we should be. But we also lose the point of the story. It's not about a guy sacrificing his kid. But it is about sacrifice. Here's another one. You may have heard this. It's 1924. It's the uh, Summer Olympics in Paris. Another true story. Canoe racing is one of the competitions. And they, the word is that the Americans are, are probably going to get the gold. They're certainly in competition The captain of the team is this guy, his name is Bill Havens. He's been preparing for this for, you know, since he was a kid. He finds out a couple of months, I guess a couple of months before, that his wife is pregnant. A couple of months before the Olympics in the summer, she's pregnant. And her due date is exactly when the Olympics will be in Paris. It's 1924, like there's no jets, jet planes you can jump on and be back across the ocean in five or six hours. You're taking a boat, and it's probably going to take, what is it, a week or something? So here's, here's his dilemma. Do you go to Paris, if you're him, do you go to Paris and risk not being with your wife when she has your baby? Do you withdraw from the Olympics? And you miss this opportunity that you've been dreaming about and preparing about forever? Anyway, his wife said, you gotta go. She insisted he go. She said to him, you know, you were pursuing this before you even knew me. Like, you have to go. 
He didn't. He didn't go. He withdrew from the Olympics. And they won the gold. And she was late. Like really late having this baby. She was so late that he could have done both. They were all back in the States with the gold medal and she hadn't had the baby yet. She had a boy. They named him Frank. Um, for years, the father was asked about that. Like, do you? But of course, he didn't know she was going to be late. But did he regret losing out, missing out on the gold? And he said, no. He said he didn't. Um, there's a sequel to it, a great sequel. Now you fast forward 28 years. It's 1952. The Summer Olympics in Finland, Helsinki. Bill, who was the father, he's at home, and he gets a telegram from his son, Frank. And this is what the telegram says, Dad, I won. I'm bringing you home the gold medal. You lost while waiting for me to be born. He just won the gold medal in the canoe racing. Isn't that a great story? The surrender of something you value for the sake of something you value more. I mean, training for the Olympics? I mean, it's crazy what that involves, the commitment. You know, you hear these stories, they do these profiles every time the Olympics come around, these teenagers who've been prepping for this thing for years, giving up everything for this event, this moment. That's a big deal. But being a parent is a bigger deal. So what that guy did, I think, is he sacrificed a big deal for a bigger deal. And that's what that first reading is about. This kind of crazy exchange between Abraham and God. It's not about killing your kid. It's about knowing what the biggest deal is and going after it. It's about saying God's number one. Like, with no apology, God has to be number one in our lives. God first, everything else second. Lots of good things second, but they can't be first. Remember the the movie, uh, if you're old enough, you remember it. Um, it was back in, I think, like 1970 or 71 or two. Uh, remember the movie Brian's Song? It was with uh, James Caan and who played James? Who played Billy D. Williams? Um, it's about Gail Sayers and Brian Pickle. Gail Sayers was the Hall of Fame running back for the uh, Chicago Bears and his uh, teammate and his roommate, uh, Brian Piccolo. And it's really about their friendship. Brian Piccolo died of uh, cancer at 26, so it's a big part of the movie is about that. And Gail Sayers was black, Piccolo was white. Um, in the late 60s, that was a big deal for them to be roommates, as crazy as that is to believe it was. And 
So it's just about this great friendship. It's a great story. It's based on a book that Gail Sayers wrote, his autobiography. Uh, he didn't name, the book wasn't uh, called Brian's Song. The book is called I Am Third, which was, uh, I guess, Gail Sayers' motto, kind of life motto. And in this, this was the motto, God is first, your family is second, and I am third. God is first, family second, I'm third. God is first, everything else is second, or third, or fourth. And it's Lent. We're in the second week of Lent. And I think it's time to be honest, especially during Lent, like brutally, uncomfortably honest with ourselves and about ourselves during Lent. It's about spring cleaning. <laughs> it's about cleaning up the mess of our lives, or at least the messy aspects of our lives. And who likes to do that? That's never comfortable. But a legitimate Lent, that's what it is. So I think here's a question, a great Lenten question. What's first in your life? What's your biggest deal? What am I most passionate about? What am I most committed to? This Abraham story is clearly saying it's got to be God. He's not going to ask us to literally take the life of our children, but he's asking us to put him before our children and before our everybody else. And that's even hard to, it's hard to say, in a sense. It's hard to hear that. Because I think for so many of us, we do put other things and other people before God. And when we're really stupid, we put, we put dumb things, objectively unimportant things, before God. Okay, that's a given that's crazy. We're fools when we do that. But what happens when there's like a bit of a competition between something that's objectively awesome, like our family, like our kids, and God? What if there's a sort of a conflict between those two? What do we do? Yeah, I know, Father, but my kids are the most important thing in my life. That's great. Like, man, I, you hope that's You hope every person, every uh, parent says that. But there's actually something greater. God is greater. God warrants more attention. And I know that's like I said, it's like, it seems like counterintuitive. But I think if you play that principle out, it's this. It's like, okay, all right, if I do make God number one, that means I will know God better. I'll connect more with the truth of God and his son. So I'll learn more about forgiveness, mercy, and compassion, and thoughtfulness. I'll become better at those things because God is the source of those things. So if I get better at those things, then I guess I guess I'll be a better parent. I'll be a better spouse. I'll be a better friend. I'll be a better neighbor. I'll be a better coworker. 
because those godly things will kind of become, I'll become more about those things. So you're going to get the best version of me when I put God first. And I think that's what Abraham, God was getting at with Abraham. Make me first, and your lives will be great. And that is true. Think of the greatest people you know. Think of the people that you just absolutely respect most in your life. The people who were just sort of apart from everybody else in the most important ways. I'll bet they put God first. Abraham did. I think Gail Sayers did. Well, how about the guy on the motorcycle? I don't know. I mean, he certainly put his girlfriend before himself. That's honorable. How about the Olympic guy? I don't know. I don't know where God was in his life. But he certainly did something honorable. This isn't like God good, girlfriend bad, God good, wife expecting baby bad. They're all good things. But when God is number one, we are at our best. And it is Lent. The surrender of something you value for the sake of something you value more. To whom do you surrender most? What's your biggest deal?